Hello. Welcome back Hello. to What's Your Record. Hi. You didn't hear me open my soda. <laughs> I heard How's it, it going? You heard, I, chaotic I heard beginning. I heard no, great. <laughs> that was really chaotic. That, Grady, you could, you could hear it. That was awful. Smash. That was awful. We should do that again. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, no, keep take it in. Two. It's raw. No, season I already three, opened. Season three is off to a, a banging start. Oh, wait. This is no, season keep three. It. This is season three, yeah. right, Jake? Whoa. Yeah, this is season three. Damn, yeah. how old are we now? Like 50? Uh, no, it's the blessing of my 30s. That's Grady's <laughs> single. Oh, um, yeah. We're not, I'm not 30 yet. Some of we're us might 30 turn yet. 30 in the middle of this season, though, maybe. We'll see. Maybe towards not the me. latter half. Something. Yeah. Well, no, we 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 know it's not no, you, no, and we not know you. who it is. We, we know see. who it is. I'm, that, I'm some the youngest. Of us. I'm the youngest yeah. one, guys. I don't know. Yeah, you're the baby. You're the baby. Yeah, that's why we. I've always called him Young Grady. Yep. Um, the son you never wanted. Yeah. The yeah the son I never wanted, but I'm proud to have him. Yep. Uh, anyway, uh, most importantly, after whatever the fuck happened on your guys' end, Grady said he could hear me open my beverage, which is I did. I barely heard the faint click of the can <laughs> i think i found the spot then and that's like after a whole season of missing um, tri- trial what, and is error. Ar- what is arguably the you know the foundation upon which the show is built yeah i mean if bad. anyone if any of our listeners want you know a uh, a spin-off podcast it's just asmr of jake opening various beverages I various mean, we could beverages do that. yeah we could do but, a whole season on that yeah we could but it's just like it's it's but we won't sounds a bottle or a can but what changes is the uh is you know the contents like today is a cherry flavored bubbly oh um I'm yeah. I have a drink also today. That's not a cold, a cold drink. A cold beverage. Once. I'm drinking a Dr. Zevia. It's like <laughs> it's like Dr. Pepper, but it's from the Zevia like brand. The... Oh, it's okay. like diet. It's like, it's like healthy diet. Yeah, soda. it's like a healthier soda. It has That's stevia weird. instead of sugar or artificial uh, sweeteners. Walmart has its own Dr. Thunder or Dr. Pepper called Dr. Thunder. Dr. Thunder. Dr. Thunder. Yeah, Dr. Thunder. I wonder uh, how uh, how Dr. Pepper feels about that. Probably, I think um, they feel like Dr. Thunder, it sounds like he got his medical degree in the back of OC Weekly, where you get <laughs> your weed wrecks. Um, <laughs> Probably. <laughs> anyway, yeah, because I met when, before marijuana was legal, that's where I found my doctor in the back of OC Weekly. And I talked to a man who was wearing a lab coat, who said that I would benefit from medical cannabis when I told him I had trouble sleeping, but I'm not sure if he was actually a doctor. Um, <laughs> that's that's fine. Still unknown. <laughs> Anyway, um, first episode, very stoked. Um, we're doing the 80s, which is... Uh, 80s themed. Yeah. So I love usually, the 80s. Usually in television, um, in television shows, I would say like season three is usually where like a show peaks. Like, you know, it really yeah. hits its upswing. So mm-hmm. maybe this is our, our so season pressure's where on. we peak, you know, and then it's all downhill from here. Yep. Pressure's on. Then, then we just got to start a spinoff podcast. Brady, you're an inspiration too. Yeah, we'll break up and we'll each do our own podcast. Yeah, I'm actually gonna. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have like a dramatic falling out with you guys, and then start my own podcast that just talks shit on this podcast. It's gonna be fun. And exclusively reviews Jen's Lechman records. Yep, exactly. <laughs> they just couldn't appreciate what I was bringing to the table. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh fuck, god. Jake. <laughs> <laughs> oh but, um, my god. 1980s that was suggested by uh, by Grady. Yes. Grady's 80s. 
that's what, oh, there's Grady's the name of the episode. 80s. There you go. Grady's yeah, 80s. You go. Boom. Dumb. Normally that doesn't happen till the show's already recorded and I got to think <laughs> on the spot, but I'm going to write that one down. It's also kind of funny because so. I, I didn't exist in the 80s, so it's it's sort of a... None of us did. It's sort None of, of a, a red did, herring title. <laughs> no, I just right. thought it was unique because you don't strike me as an, as an 80s person. And I was really torn with this episode because I'm just like, there's so much education that grady needs oh my god um the cat is just laying down on top of all of the equipment right now (laughs) hopefully he doesn't hit the mute button (laughs) keep it rolling um but as always the you know the focal point and what can be the hard the hard part is trying to find albums that each of us haven't listened to and i feel like tyler and i had a lot of overlap yeah see that's why i also had i also had way too many choices for myself for the 80s because like for I don't know for a lot of people I think they think of the 80s as like oh it's like 80s hair metal or 80s pop and it's like you know Duran Duran and all those bands but like for me I think of like 80s in terms of like ska punk um like there's a lot of there's a lot I I mean even country even like there's some there's some good country stuff from the 80s so like it's tough. I'm really it glad you didn't me. pick 80s Willie Nelson though. I'm really glad Dude, there's some good happen, there's some good <laughs> there's some good ones from from I him. feel but, like um, with but, the 80s everyone at least who isn't I mean maybe if you are from the 80s as well but when it comes to music I feel like everyone has a very vivid recollection of like what they imagine as the 80s for music. So like Tyler's is like punk like, and ska you know, mine is like very much like '80s, like pop music and um, more like dream pop type stuff, like the pre precursor to a lot of the music that I listen to now. Yeah, I like think what, you would like really it was like in... that band felt that I posted on. I made a separate playlist for records that I was thinking about doing. You would really like that band felt, Grady. I'll go check well, them out. I feel, I, I've heard of them. I don't think I've ever listened to them though. So, Grady, are you saying that a lot of the '80s bands influenced what you listen to currently, or like? Oh, totally. Yeah, currently. Yeah, for sure. A lo- tons, tons of the sounds that really started emerging in the '80s, in terms of what people were doing with electronic music, what people doing with pop music. A lot of yeah. those ideas have carried over into a lot of the indie music that I listen to now, either, you know, directly um, inspired inspired by it or more just like having similar, um, you know, production techniques and concepts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, that's I, a I made a point. note about that, um, that I feel like there's like four or five like main genres that like the mainstream and like commercial radio like shove down your throat like this is the 80s. Like mm-hmm. Tyler was saying, like hair metal is a big one. Uh, regular metal, obviously, like the big pop stars and stuff of the day. And then it's just going on what Grady was saying. A lot of like really cool, like tech and production techniques started mm-hmm. to come out yeah, in the totally. 80s. Like that- Yamaha used to send like keyboards and drum machines to like New Order in like 1980 and 1981 to like test out and stuff. And there's a lot of cool shit from the beginning. And then when it became simplified and like any jack off to get a hold of it like that's where you get a lot of like the generic like oh that shit one one hit wonder kind of bands or whatever yeah. that you know just ran with it i mean tyler you weren't really pioneers of it tyler you probably know more about me the music history aspect than i do but um, i mean no I, Jake, I feel like i feel like the 70s is where electronic music was really coming into focus like the, the ideas of it and the technology was really being, you know, just first starting to take hold. Yeah. And uh, artists were starting to play around with what could be done with, you know, synthesizers and all, all these other, you know, techniques that were uh, studio techniques that were really 
be like a new thing. I think in the 80s is when artists and sound engineers and producers were able to like fully harness those, you know, ideas that were created in the 70s and late 60s and use them more in a a professional studio setting for a lot of like mainstream artists or at home. I think the big thing yeah, is, is that the, too, like the, the synthesis, the synthesizers and the drum machines and all the tech, like got smaller and more like accessible <laughs> yeah. because oh, totally. like early synthesizers are fucking huge. I also think back to the production, like the eighties is like what I consider the beginning of modern production. So it's yeah. the beginning of like the clean, studio sound where it's like very produced and very like um creating creating room sounds and creating reverbs like from an artificial sense instead of like oh like yeah. if we want to get that reverb we got to go record this in like a big uh, opera hall or, or like yeah yeah or oh we got to go into a fucking hallway with like a microphone on each end to get this or whatever like all that stuff started to be digitalized in the 80s and so it's it's that uh that pivot to modern style production or like digital more digital production like moving away from tape and analog um equipment in the studios <laughs> which i think is good and bad i mean it opens the door for like a lot of the daw programs like pro tools and logic and all that um and like computers and all that which opens the door like jake you said for like home recording and like bedroom style recording but it also moves away from like that tape sound or that analog Which, warmth. And so then like in modern production now you have people like with coveted machines. Trying to get and, that sound. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which, so you have a blend, which is cool too. It's but. interesting you bring that up because I feel like the pick that I chose really embodies that uh, that concept that you're talking about. Oh, for sure. But the pick that Jake the Jake's pick is almost the antithesis of that, where it's, but I, well, it's, it's the lo-fi <laughs> tape sound. Yeah, it's the lo-fi tinny, not warm analog yeah. sound, but it's definitely about being able to do it by yourself. So I guess with that, can Same I go way. ahead and jump into it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah perfect. Yeah. It was perfect. Uh, so for my pick, I feel like, I don't know, I really tried to avoid something that would feel like a stereotypical jake pick and that also lines up with like tyler probably would have heard most of it like you know doing like 17 seconds by the cure because you know when i found out about that record i fucking sent it to everybody and their mom until we all learned how to jam a forest for 20 minutes <laughs> or like metallica or you know some of the other metal bands like iron maiden and shit like that i wanted to pick something that thought would be cool and i was surprised that tyler hadn't heard of this band well, because james was the one who gave them I'd heard me, of guess, them. I'd heard of the name. Like, for sure, when you said the name, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a band. Like, I'm supposed to listen to them. But I've never I've never actually put the time in. So I was like, you know, it's been a while since I listened to this for, this record from them. So the band I pick is Cleaners from Venus. And the album is their third one called Midnight Cleaners. Um, I narrowed it down between this and In the Golden Autumn, which I also highly recommend. So Cleaners from Venus deal is it's basically the the main creative output for this guy, Martin Newell, who is from Wyvenhoe, which is a small like village in Essex in England. And he was around in the late 70s and was kind of part of the glam scene and I think was like in a band that was signed, um, but then got kind of jaded by the industry. And he met up with this dude named Lawrence Elliott, who was a drummer. It was just like, fuck it, dude, we should just make our own music and we'll, we'll do it on tape. Like, we'll just distribute it locally or whatever to people we know, our friends and stuff like that. 
and it started from there and midnight cleaners is their third record. And it's also the first one where him and this dude, this drummer used to be roommates. And then the drummer moved away like 200 miles away. Um, and that's when Martin Newell started fucking around with drum machines. Oh, um, gotcha. So it's, it's essentially the first record, but or the first solo record where it's cleaners from Venus, but Martin Newell writes everything and plays everything. But I guess Elliot played, He's credited with drums and ideas hmm. uh, on the record, which didn't you didn't see those liner notes. So the big thing is it was all on tape, really hard to find. And then there's an interest in them. And I know it's like it's faux pas now, obviously, because Burger Records got totally canceled uh, because they were a bunch of dill holes and creepy guys. But they actually reached out to Cleaners from Venus and they reissued all the tapes. It was one of the first things that uh that burger did was they got a hold of this dude who's just like just takes odd jobs around his town he's like a gardener and a waiter and a bartender is he a midnight cleaner (laughs) yeah he (laughs) he actually is yeah i that i thought i was like there's got to be some truth to this shit (laughs) he just takes he just takes odd odd jobs um there's a documentary coming out about him uh really soon and he just published an autobiography that i want to read um but burger put the stuff out on tape and again, it was a limited run, but then the label captured tracks, got a hold of him in 2012, and they they issued everything on vinyl and CD for the first time. And then that's when they were kind of, I mean, people knew about him, like MGMT covered only a shadow at mm-hmm. Coachella one time or yeah. whatever. So like they're around if you know about them. But uh, before I talk about this record specifically, let's go ahead and play only a shadow. and uh we're continuing our trend of playing entire songs now yeah we can do that so you get to sit back and listen to a solid couple minutes of a of a song without hearing our voices so that must be a nice reprieve for you listeners (laughs) all right uh this is only a shadow by cleaners from venus
Nice. Hell yeah. Um, I think the next song that after, might be the next what? song after that one. Corridor of Dreams, I think, is my favorite. I thought you would like that one, and I'll get into why I picked that as one that Grady would like. Um, but what I was going to say is I think Only a Shadow might be the only song with live drums on it. I, I think, think that's, that's why, why I like that one the best. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why uh, Elliot got credit for drums and ideas. Um, yeah, that's my favorite track on on this album. Yeah, so, and I felt like, I'm sure I had read this at some point, and I wish that I had told you guys, but I feel like, it's kind of it's kind of obvious. So this record came out in 1983. Third one, Martin Newell's pretty much by himself. So this is where he starts experimenting with drum machine, which I'll you know, obviously it's all recorded to tape and whatever. So that affects the production, which isn't you know necessarily a bad thing. Like this is literally like bedroom pop, like at its inception almost uh but i would say obviously the drum sounds are probably the weakest part of the of the production and can be like the most annoying like the double bass in factory boy is a little rough Um, but that song is still really good Um, but the tape is divided into two sides and the first five tracks that ends with corridor of dreams is called the pop side and then the back side of the tape was called the art side, which is where there are more of the experimental, like spoken word, uh, that saxophone tracks, like midnight cleaners and don't you mind the ads or whatever. That um, makes a lot of sense. Wait, wait, wait. I what thought was the back side? Can you repeat that? The art, the art, the art side. side. Oh, like that makes a lot of sense though. Cause like, it I does. was going to say the first half seemed like way stronger than the second half. Yes, to me. that was one of my notes. I was like, yeah, after a, a Wivenhoe Bells. Yeah, I was like, I, I, I didn't dislike those songs, but I felt like every song uh, through Wivenhoe Bells was really strong. Yeah. And then after that, it got like weirder and less like structured and yeah. a little bit less engaging for me. Yeah, like the first four are super good. And then it like totally. starts to fade a little for me. Um, which I would say, cause I was thinking like, cause I kind of said the same thing about the Moses Sumney album when you described like how mm-hmm. those were made that the second ones are more like ones that he just mm-hmm. wrote by himself where you see the collaboration starts to end. Yeah. Um, but at least like the first five on this one would be like the singles or whatever. And he's very obviously influenced by sixties British pop. Because that's what he grew up to listening to. I like Grady's description when we were first sending these albums to each other. Like, it sounds like David Bowie recorded it into a tin can while taking too much acid. And like, <laughs> I didn't think that was. I didn't think that was a bad thing. No, um, no, I didn't mean it as a bad thing. Like, I, like, I thought it was I think, cool. It's, uh, it's a very, it's very interesting. But um, like time in vain because the first song, um, a rainy decade is instrumental. And again, we're you know we're getting. We're getting a little preview of this dude very obviously like ingratiating himself with this new technology that's coming out that he can afford like on a waiter's budget. It's all, you know, digital synth stuff. But Time in Vain to me is like a lo-fi Beatles song. It's just very totally. like major chords, very poppy, yep. like sweet love song, super jangly. Um, only a shadow is a little bit more rocking. Um, what was the what's the one song? Hold on. Um, Corridor of Dreams, which Grady was talking about. And this isn't my interpretation of it. Um, I've read it in a review of the record. It was kind of like an intro to Cleaners from Venus on Bandcamp. But 
it sounds like it's like a lo-fi version like it could be on kaput Oh, yeah. Like the, the, dude, the, the bass is, is very groovy. It's the saxophone. I mean, the vibes yeah. of this, I think, are super influential to like that style of more like art rock, like current, yeah. like indie art rock realm is like, I'm sure they're influenced by this. And also, also that, like you kind of said, like Burger Records or whatever, that kind of sound as well, like the like modern garage sound or whatever. So this well, the, also... and the big one is for canceled people like Ariel Pink totally got off to this shit. Oh, like this is the foundation. This is the blueprint that made Ariel Pink possible, but also fuck him. So this Um, might be a weird comparison, and I don't. I I don't think it's like a very direct comparison, but I feel like I hear some early Tame Impala in this album as well. Yeah, well, I feel like he was influenced by this as well in terms of like the production style. Well, that's the thing, right? So like back to the production uh, comments from earlier, like this is true. This is like lo-fi before there was lo-fi. Like this was just like, this is what he had available and like he just was doing it. Whereas like modern bands like Tame Impala go for like, oh, I'm going to make a lo-fi sound yeah. to this. Like I'm going to intentionally choose that well, sound. Not anymore, but yeah. <laughs> well, no, definitely, yeah, definitely not anymore. But yeah, um, but like that's kind of, that's for sure an influence on a band like that where yeah. it's like, oh, okay. Like I have all these modern tools at my disposal, but I'm going to intentionally go to like that low, that low five. Right. It's same with like bands like uh, car C headrest, right? Yeah. Like yeah. very similar. Um, but so for me, when it comes to lo-fi, um, I'm not like, you know, automatically opposed to lo-fi music. I generally listen to, I like music that, that it has very high fi quality that has a lot of really rich, complex sounds that, you know, like layered together. But I think there's a balance to lo-fi and this album does a really good job with it where but it's lo-fi. Call, would you call this lo-fi though? Like, yeah. I feel like it's too early for that like well, classification of it. Well, I mean, but, retrospectively, yes. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm talking about like, like that. But. I mean, I guess back then what <laughs> lo-fi would be DIY. I, I yeah, guess yeah, like a very, yeah. a variation like, of it, but yeah. Or indie. I mean, back then this could be like indie because it's like independent. Oh, it's not that, like a yeah. major label. Yeah. Like back in the eighties, being on a record label was like the thing you had to pretty much do if you wanted to be popular. Right. But yeah. it's and like, there were still indie labels because the Smiths are considered like the British indie band, and this dude wasn't right, even yeah. on a label. But, he was right, like, hands exa- delivering these tapes. But exactly. like what I was saying exactly. is like even though this you know would be qualified as lo-fi nowadays, he is still able to get a lot of texture and a lot of interesting sounds. It doesn't sound like he just fucking like recorded it as shittily as possible, you know, to get that 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 sound that like really right, you right. know kind of garbage sound that like some lo-fi artists are just like i want this just to sound like shit like for you know yeah. aesthetic purposes but i think obviously he was probably wasn't thinking about that because it's before the lo-fi genre really existed yeah but still I, I i like the sound of this because there there are there is a variety in the sound he did capture a lot of different you know guitar tones and there's that saxophone that comes up on a couple songs that has like a really almost like eerie quality to it it sounds like almost otherworldly which i really thought was interesting you know he has piano on here like he has all these instruments and they're recorded yeah. in very unique ways that make them the stand use of the out. piano yeah. like why why the bells too because i think he did a version of it on the first record like that song is beautiful that is a totally classic like yeah, weird cool indie ballad about his little town i love the bells <clears throat> i love like the children's voices like quoting the nursery rhyme from 1984 like here comes the chopper to chop off your head um i think in- i think 
Uh, sorry, keep going, Jake. I'll, I'll I was going to say in in terms of the second side, because like I definitely saw that being as like because I even thought about it when I was driving around listening to it. I'm just like, all right, this album's like definitely we've talked about it before. Like some albums can be like top heavy where it's like, boom, boom, mm -hmm. boom. Here's all the good shit. And they kind of fizzle uh -huh. out. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say it necessarily fizzles out. I think it's it's different. It's very different. And vibe. that's why, like he calls the first side poppy. But it reminds me of I think it has something to do with him being like a young dude in his 20 be, being like fuck the music industry because he didn't want to deal with a label i'm going to do whatever i want but there are songs on the second side like don't mind the ads i like uh, that was one of the highlights or mid in the second half. or midnight cleaners like but don't is that what it's called i don't want to get the title wrong midnight don't you worry about the ads on. but um yeah but don't you worry about the ads like there's a cure song called so what on their first album where it's literally just robert smith like reading out of like a weekly ad mailer like that you get for the grocery stores like here are the specials for the week or whatever him just quoting prices for like meat and stuff like that mm -hmm. it's like it's supposed to be kind of edgy kind of snotty but it's like this weird i mean it gets kind of it's kind of post-punky to me which is you know the time period that it's in in england and then it also reminds me of the first joy division ep when they were warsaw that song no love lost where ian just starts like reading poetry in the middle of the of the song yeah. so i think at least he clearly like labeled it like it's two different vibes or whatever but i could see like going into it being like well these last four tracks are kind of whack see I, I almost think that he he should have structured it or he should have the um the track listing he should have dispersed them you know more evenly because like i don't know well because for me the way it, when i was listening to it for the first time i put it on and i heard time in vain and only shadow and like my first reaction was wow this is way catchier than i thought it would be like this is straight up just like good pop music um yeah. and then corridor of dreams was also catchy and you know very you know poppy and, and fun and then when i got to the second half it since it felt so different to me it almost was like jarring yeah, that it kept on that track for like the last three songs. So if he had like done Time in Vain and then put one of the weirder ones right after that, I would have known, okay, so this is going to be kind of a mix of those things. And I feel like it would have put me in more of a mindset that would have prepared me for those types of tracks coming later on better, if that makes sense. Totally. And not to say that they're bad songs. It's just like it almost felt like different to me to hear those afterward and it like fizzled out in a way i was like oh, okay i guess this is what is happening for the rest of the album now where i was still kind of in that like poppy fun you know mood <laughs> for the, the yeah, first couple songs totally, but totally. yeah it's it's just a different vibe i think um and I, i'm sure there are some people out there who prefer the second half and that's their favorite part of the album yeah I mean, I um, liked I Factory totally Boy fine. off the second half. Um, Factory Boy could very easily be on the first half. Yeah, and then I liked the last track that don't don't you worry about the ads or whatever. That's cool too. Um, yeah, I think too. What I was gonna say uh, a minute ago is like, I think too. It's interesting how influential this type of songwriting was too. Um, I mean the like the track that we just played, um, the repetition of like the chorus or whatever, like the structure. I think is super like deer hunter esque or like, um, you know, oh, like these bands that. take sure. the songwriting from this as well of like, it's not quite rock and roll and it's not quite pop. It's like this blend. It's like this nice blend of those two genres, um, like from a songwriting structure and also just sonically. But 
I think the songwriting does play a big influence on um does have a big influence on like modern modern indie or modern rock um and especially like the alt the alt rock or art rock like world you know Mm -hmm. being able to blend these kind of like more ambient interlude style songs with like the really catchy chorus and like the repetition of the lyrics oh and and that that. yeah in that way i could that definitely reminds me of like micro castle or something yeah. like in terms of structuring the kind of tracks that are, that are on there. Exactly. Um, yeah. I could see, I could see, um, deer hunter really being influenced by this, by this band, this yeah. album specifically. But, but yeah, it takes those. Cause it like listed, like he's very obviously like into the kinks and like early who and yep. the Beatles, but there's like a quote from him or whatever, like Beatles wise that it's not, you know, it's not the straight up, like, love songs but it's not the grandiose like sergeant pepper and for me like my two favorite beatles records are what i call like the in-between ones which would be like rubber soul and revolver which is them like phasing out of like the boy band shit but not Uh fully like using the orchestra and like all the money that they have to just like fuck around in the studio so it's like more later it's like a revolver vibe instead of sergeant pepper yeah for sure Um, i can see that little quirky like, yeah. songs and quirky lyrics and yeah i sure. really recommend the next two albums after this and this dude like consistently put out like a new tape every year like until 1994 um and he's still he's still going it kind of fizzles out for like the 80s output is the the best stuff um but you know he toured sometimes but after this like it's pretty much a solo project or he'd jam around with people who were like around if he wanted to play a show and stuff like he's, he's a weird dude. I'm, I'm really interested to see the documentary that should be dropping out. I feel like it's called like the jangle man or something like that. <laughs> yeah. He's just this dude with like crazy, crazy hair, wears a top hat and a suit walks around like a chimney sweep or whatever. Like he's a very interesting oh my guy. God, that's so um, funny. Yeah. Cool. But yeah. I'm glad that you guys, it seems like you liked it. Oh, I yeah. really, I really yeah. liked it. Yeah. I was surprised by it. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I really liked it. Um, cool. Okay. Yeah. So should we move on? Yeah. All right. Um, moving on. Moving on to my pick. So it's, it's kind of, this also works as a segue a little bit, but, um, you were, t- we were talking about the Beatles and him being influenced by the Beatles. And I think that my, the artist that I chose was also influenced by the Beatles, but in a very different way. Uh, you way. think? <laughs> Isn't there a Beatles cover on it? There is a Beatles cover on it. There you go. So, he, I looked, he, there's a Beatles cover on like every one of his records. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. He, okay. he must have loved the Beatles. Uh, so I chose the album Awakening by an artist named Hiroshi Sato. And fun fact, he's actually pretty hard to Google because if you've ever seen The Legend of Korra, the the anime there's a character show. from that there's That's a character there's a character on that show called hiroshi sato and he's like a prominent villain in the first season um of that show so if you like google hiroshi sato it's just all like shit about yeah it's that an character. animated picture that yeah. comes up first you got to go onto japanese wikipedia to <laughs> yeah. find this guy and it's a little confusing but um no this artist uh he's a japanese uh musician um he was born in 1947 and he actually died in 2012 of a brain aneurysm i think Poor one which out. is unfortunate because i feel like he hasn't really gotten a ton of recognition for his influence in the genre that he would eventually i mean would eventually be dubbed city pop which for those who don't know is um it's an interesting genre so it's basically um a form of Japanese pop music that became popular in the 1980s, and it was like a mix. 
it was like a jazz fusion mix of like soft rock and jazz and um, like funk. And it's gotten more popular recently. Um, I feel like it's been brought back a little bit and revived. Why is it called City Pop? Like, what's the, the name? I don't really know, honestly. I know, it's so weird. Like, when you say that, you don't because think of when this you, sound no, at when all. No, when you listen to this music, you want to be driving a purple convertible, yes. wearing a white suit yes. and big aviators <laughs> through the cityscape. Because I said... Exactly. Grady, was me telling you or sending you that comp, like, the first time you'd really delved into city pop? Uh, yeah, yeah, you sent me that comp, and I, I listened to... Pacific to Breeze by yeah. Light in the Attic Records. I heard that over the summer. Changed my fucking life. But Grady <laughs> so, and I also play the the Persona games, and yeah, this is very much... Right, uh, that's how, that. that's what got me interested in this genre, because um, I, I'm a huge fan of the Persona games, and especially, I would say, I would say Persona 5 is a little bit more, like, loungy and and jazzy and not as much Acid city jazz. pop. It's yeah. it's more low key, but like Persona 4, that soundtrack is m- way more upbeat and I think is more city poppy. But uh yeah, so I discovered the genre and then I recently started just diving into it and listening to a bunch of like different artists in the city pop genre and it's it's really fun. Like it's a really interesting uh subgenre of pop music from the 80s and it's kind of unfortunate that it died out in the 90s. Um but this guy, Hiroshi Sato, um, I think he, I mean, there's not a ton on him, really, um, if you tr- just try to Google him, like I was saying. But he is a keyboardist, and he was, I think, influential in, in this scene, um, and he helped bring it up, but he didn't really gain the prominence that, you know, a lot of a lot of other artists would gain. Like, I don't think if you Googled City Pop, his name would come up or anything. But... Um, yeah, he's a really talented um, keyboardist, but he was also a sound engineer, producer, uh, songwriter, singer. So he kind of he kind of did it all. Uh, so on that note, I'm gonna go ahead and play the song "Say Goodbye" from this album, "Awakening," and then we can discuss more. So this is uh, "Say Goodbye." <laughs> Thank you. 
Right. Very nice. Say it's not very God. often that I play air keyboard. Um, <laughs> Dude, but I definitely. How I mean, could you not? It's a good that. So that song is a good example of like you can tell he's a keyboardist. Like first and foremost, like he goes out of his way in a three and a half minute pop song to have like a thirty second keyboard solo, yeah. which is kind of sick. I'm not gonna lie. It fits. Um, it fits. But yeah, it works. It fits. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't have like a ton to say about this album specifically. I think it's, it kind of speaks for itself. Um, it's, it's very straightforward in terms of like, like lyrically, uh, melodically, you know, you, you get it pretty much right away. Um, it's, it's a, you know, it's a good mix of like sensual, you know, like serenade songs, um, love songs, and then also more like upbeat funks type, type stuff like that song. Um, and he also on this album he brings. You're in, my baby is very, uh, very porny. Is what I wrote. Down. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's it's funny because the album is like it's pretty corny, it's pretty cheesy, but it's in a way that feels very sincere, and it doesn't. Wait, feel no, you like, heard you heard me right. I didn't say corny. I said porny. Yeah, but P. also corny. The P- it's yeah, corny okay. and porny. Yeah. Corny and porny. Um, but it, it feels sincere. Yeah, as it feels in Paul, honest, Paul, like, as in Paul McCartney. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it feels like he, you know, he he's doing it from a from a wholesome place and not like I'm gonna make this weird sexy music that's like just for the sake of being fucking like creepy or something, you know. Um, and I think also the the sound the sound engineering and production on this album is very is very good. It's very clean. Um, it sounds very sophisticated for the early 80s. I mean, this came out in 1982. Like, this was coming out of the 70s, and it already sounds like a fully formed album from, like, 1989 or something. Um, yeah. So I think that that in itself is really impressive. And I think bringing in this um, guest vocalist, Wendy Matthews, who's a Canadian-Australian singer, um, it really it, it adds this sort of second layer to his own vocals and it helps uplift him because i think she's more of like a professional singer than he was his background is more in being a keyboardist he doesn't and being a sound producer. bad though no like his vocals are <laughs> honestly pretty good and the fact that he's singing all in english which is is different because most city pop albums are not in english they're in japanese so this album also feels much more accessible for an american audience and i think that was his intention i mean he came to the united states at some point in his career and I think he wanted to branch out into more of that, um, you know, that pop, the American pop styling. The yeah, that as he we liked uh, English pop styling, I guess. As we mentioned, trying to find anything on him is hard. And when you translate the Wikipedia page yeah, from Japanese to English, I think things come. Yeah, I think some things get lost because there's definitely talking about a, you know a great trip to America or whatever, <laughs> like that he was traveling, but it's like three sentences. And then all of a sudden he's back. Yeah. Um, before I get into like my overall thoughts, but I would say the biggest fucking mystery about this record is that, and I found this out from the Japanese Wikipedia page is all the lyrics are written by this woman named Lorraine feather. Huh. Whose godma whose godmother was Billie Holiday, and Whoa, she is a songwriter. She she's done like her own like jazz albums or whatever. She's a singer songwriter, but she's written lyrics for a shit ton of people who, 
I didn't write down because I was only worried about her relationship with this guy. <laughs> but on her website and her Wikipedia page, there is no fucking mention of her writing the English lyrics for all of Sato's albums because it's not Weird. only this one. Whoa. Like I did she's not written know that. a shit ton of lyrics about it, but nowhere on the internet can I find anything about how they met up, how they decided to work with each other, but she wrote all the words. That's wow. crazy. And there's like no so she, link is she about... credited on so she's credited on the liner notes of this record. Is that how you found yeah. it? Okay. Yeah. Got on the Wikipedia when it's, page. When it's broken down on, it. when it's broken down on the Japanese Wikipedia page, all the lyrics are written by her. That's really um, interesting. But I couldn't find anything about how that relationship started or how long it lasted or what the deal was. She's just credited for it. And then none of her links have anything to do with it. It's very strange. Huh. Um but yeah, I mean, what Grady said about, you know, not having a whole lot to say about it, it is very straightforward, and I would say that that's kind of true for all city pop. It's just kind of a vibe. Yeah, totally. Um, it's a vibe. But the, the thing that can, kind of, <laughs> that can kind of burn out is that it's like a very, like, it's one, it's one vibe. So I would say, like, that would be one thing about sitting down and listening to... I think this is the first time I've ever listened to a one city pop album by like one dude all the way through one artist. Cause normally it's like a compilation. Right. Then you yeah, get like, like little songs. variations about like, you know, some of them are more guitar heavy or different vocalists and stuff like that. So, um, it can get a little like one, one note, but I will say that the, I think the songs that I liked the most were the last ones, which for some reason, are all the songs that aren't written in all caps, but awakening and say goodbye were my favorite mm -hmm. versions. And I like the version of blue and moody music, that, the, the Wendy Matthews version. Yeah. Hers. I like something that. About it's, when, it's, it's way more upbeat. Um, but I, I actually, and like she the, hits those high. She hits those yeah, high notes. She does. Uh, I, I like the original version of blue and moody music a lot. That's one of the highlights on the album for me. I think and going that, off the persona thing, I was going to say, because mm -hmm. I saw a picture of this guy back in the day and he was, full 80s like i described like wearing a white suit the big sunglasses <laughs> oh, <yeah>. and grady <laughs> he kind of reminds me of from persona 4 the tanaka guy that sells you stuff on the tv he's oh like the God, he's the salesman guy. in the suit with the big sunglasses he's yeah. like we've got great deals for you tanaka <laughs> dude he like, does have good deals though <laughs> shit i bought a lot yeah. of shit from that guy. <laughs> from tanaka's shady commodities he's like, he's um, like selling fucking like uh, mystical swords on this on his yeah, TV sword show <laughs> swords and guns on the yeah. tv show here you go children but, here's a gun you can buy for me on but yeah TV it's show. it's just a vibe and just you put this on while you're driving on the freeway like city pop yeah. is i'm very glad i discovered it during quarantine yeah it's a good vibe i think on this album it's it's very consistent too um there isn't really there there aren't a lot of like bad songs or songs where you're like oh this is a skip song the only song that i don't like on this is for me to you the beatles the cover, beatles the beatles cover. cover? it's too Dude. hokey for me it's just too hokey it's, it's too probably hokey. the cheesiest one yeah it, and it's because like, it's cheesy mm -hmm. it totally the groove like the rhythm that he chose for it yeah reminds me of like arcade fires reflector where they're like we're gonna make dance music right now and it's just it's, like really contrived and like and though i mean i'm not saying i don't really like the original from from me to you it's probably like a lower tier beatles song in my opinion yeah like why cover so that why one? cover that one like i feel like he could have picked more of a like 
I don't know, an interesting Beatles song. An all synth version of While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Dude, that would be sick. <laughs> that's that's I literally mean, that my song favorite has Beatles been song. covered quite a bit. So. That's my favorite Beatles song, and it would be it would be, have been really cool if he covered that one. But yeah, the Beatles cover is just it just doesn't do that much for me. It's fine, like you know, it's it's kind of funny to me listening to it, and it's okay. But it it's probably the low point on this album for me. Um, and I think he could have left it off, and honestly, the album would have been better off. But other than that, you know, it's a pretty consistent vibe. You know, you got like the slower songs, the more groovy songs, and then you have like the more upbeat, funky. Um, energetic ones and they all blend well together he knows this dude clearly like knows how to mix his sounds together well he knows the synth tones he wants he knows the keyboards he wants he knows you know the bass the bass tones he wants he knows everything and he knows how to stitch it together in a very coherent way um which i think overall just makes the album very easy to listen to and very enjoyable tyler what did you was this your first dive into city pop yeah, so... Uh, yeah, what did you think, Tyler? Yeah, so I've been kind of quiet. Um, yeah, you have. <laughs> yeah. That's either very good or very bad. So so like you said, City Pop is like a very distinctive vibe, and I think it's either you like it or you don't like it, and I'm unfortunately in the camp of not really enjoying this vibe too much. I just think for me, it like <laughs> it's like the equivalent to like smooth jazz. It's kind of like a really watered-down version of like funk soul type of stuff and like i guess i respect it like it's not like he's a bad musician i mean like grady said he's he's got skills on the keys and and like he the songwriting's fine like everything's fine it's just like it's the aesthetic of the sound itself that i just like is not that appealing to me it's it's so cheesy and hokey um especially like on that track, especially like the bass sound is just like that. Like, oh, I just took a bass and plugged it directly into my DAW with no effects. And it's just like very like poppy kind of weird bass, like no like body to it. I don't know. I mean, it's I like tough. the bass. I think it's, it, it fits the, the sound. It's very groovy. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like it fits that sound, which is kind of hokey and cheesy. I mean, I don't know. It's, to me, it's not terrible, but I would not okay, seek out Mr. this genre. Okay, Mr. I only pick punk music for this for the '80s theme. What What does <laughs> well, that hey, have to do with it? Doesn't have anything to do with it because I wrote down. I mean, I'll give Tyler like I wrote it like it's cheesy as fuck. But sometimes, like I mean, like did you see the faces we're making? Like it's music that you can you squint your eyes, yeah, you put on your stanky yeah. face, yeah. And I know. You just move I, your, you move I get your that, but it. like I don't <laughs> seek out that type of it's music. It's like it's right? music where you you get out of it what you put into it in terms of enjoyment. You know, it's like, if you go into it like, this is fun and I dig it, then you're gonna like it. But if you're like, if you try to pick it apart and like, think about like, oh yeah, this is kind of cheesy. And like this, this bass tone is like, you know, but it does depend on the people. Like I would say like, I've, I've definitely driven around playing city pop of like Daisy or my sister in the car. Like one time when we were driving around LA and it was like both of them, like looking at me, like I'm like tapping on the steering wheel doing that. And they're like, Okay, like you get like three more songs of yeah. this shit before we put yeah, something that, else. That's so exactly I, how I feel. Like I, 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 feel I get like, it. I feel like, like you said, Jake, it would be a, more acceptable if it's just like a compilation of different artists. But like sitting down for a whole album of it at the end, like, and that's it's weird because I wrote down on this album like I like the top half better too, and I think it's just because like I was burnt out by the second half. Like I don't know if those yeah, songs you, are necessarily <laughs> worse, but I was just like. All right, how much more of this do you're you got? starting? Yeah, you're starting to resent them, but like on, like on that, and like you know, to be fair, like I don't know if I'm gonna go queue up 
his entire discography in order and be well, like, let's fucking so ride this wave. His but, album that yeah. came before this is called Orient, and it came out in the late 70s, actually. And that album is um, a lot more experimental and a lot more synth-driven, and it's like more experimental synth-pop sound. I wonder if you would like that more because it's it's Apparently definitely he was way less cheesy. I mean, I like moments of it. I think it's just like the overall aesthetic to me is band? just like I don't I don't quite um, yeah. I don't quite agree with the aesthetic so, like in terms of what I appreciate. There were there were a couple '80s uh, city pop albums that I was listening to, um, and one of them by Takako Mimiya and one by Tomoko Aaron. And God, I'm just butchering those names, but. Anyway, those are, I think, more interesting in terms of the sound they were able to create. Um, but they're not available on Spotify, so I just went with this one because... Oh, uh, dude, he was, in a, he was in a rock band called Huckleback. Huckleback, that's so... Strange. In a, 19, a 70s um, rock band, we gotta find that. But so. anyway, so like, I don't think that all city pop albums are this, you know, they have this sort of cheesy vibe like this one does well i think so okay so then bringing it back to like a bigger picture right i think one of my other issues is that for the 80s right this is i get your like i appreciate your concept of like going a little bit out of the box of like what defines the 80s but also this like this kind of ticks that box for me of like music from the 80s that like i i wish didn't kind of define the 80s like i this is kind of the music that like is is kind of made fun of in like comedy shows and like you know it's like it's like a little bit corny and it's like overused now um of like oh like we're just gonna slap this synthesizer sound over like you know artificial drums and bass or whatever um but i think i don't know it's tough like this is this to me is like similar to like really cheesy hair metal in like not in a similar sound but just like a similar vibe of like it's taking something and making it a little too cheesy for me. Um, and I don't know if that's all city pop or just this one, but like I said, like, I don't hate it. I'm not like, I don't, I don't want to turn think it that's off. All city pop. I think that's giving, doing this album a bit of a disservice, honestly, is just saying that his intention behind it was making it, you know, cheesy. No, and I don't think that was like his that intention. Way. I think that, especially considering this was the, the early eighties, this was 82. Yeah. But I don't think that was his intention. I think what happened is unfortunately this type of music is now like, become over overused and made fun of in that way because it's like this might have been the original version of that and now it's like oh we're gonna make this like corny poppy jazz fusion thing and it's gonna sound like this i don't think he he went out and did that but i think that's what it reminds me of like it reminds me of sounds like you're shitting all over a dead yeah what uh, what give me, just an example. <laughs> give me an no. example uh, an american contemporary or an american equivalent example that you would give the, you would like, I think of like Kenny G, like when I hear this, stuff. <laughs> this doesn't even have like saxophone or anything. <laughs> I, I know, but like, it's the same like concept. It's like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's saying. like daytime television jazz. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's like, it's hard. It's like, it's like the least, <laughs> this is going to sound really fucked. It's like the least cool version of this style of music. It's okay. It's funny that you mentioned Kenny G and daytime jazz, because obviously I don't feel this way about this song, but I think it, you know, I get how people could say it's cheesy, but it's fucking great. But when you said like smooth jazz cheesiness, like I think of like careless whisper by wham like that. Yeah, exactly. 
understand it, but that's so, a fucking jam too. Right. I, make I know, but it's a jam in like an ironic kind of way. I, I think I don't know. That's I don't know, really man. You're hard. sounding a little pretentious to me. Oh, I, sh- I for sure am. But like, that's what you said. It, it is what you put. What you 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 get out of it. What you put in. Like, if you just want to listen to this, first step. If you just want to listen to this and like have a good time and jam out and like you know I you're think, in your car by yourself and you're like rocking out. Like, I, I get that. The but difference like, between what you're describing and and this and other things along this line is that this does to me doesn't feel contrived in that way it doesn't feel contrived in in the sense that like he went out he set out to like make this music like cheesy and corny no i don't think whatever. he's saying I don't, that it's i'm the not saying that. intention yeah i'm definitely not that's saying what, that's his intention the, that's the sound and that happens sometimes there are people that are being like i'm gonna make this fucking great record and it's going to be awesome i'm going to yeah. do a really good it's, job and then people are just like it's the same way that it's the same yeah. way that fucking jack black makes fun of like 80s metal and like the same way that like uh spinal tap makes fun of like that genre like it's just it's no it's those guys easily, are trying to be funny no no i know i'm i'm saying like it's a it's a genre that's like easily parodied or on, on i guess or i don't know it's it's hard to explain but like the aesthetic of it is just not it's just not for me i think but I don't want to like. I don't want to shit on it. Like, it's not a bad album, and it's not. R.I.P. Hiroshi. But thank you for your legacy. And on that note, for uh, things that we don't like, let's let Gary get his earplugs uh, real quick while we talk about Tyler's record. Yeah, let's segue into this with a quote directly from Grady. Um, So. For for the wow. record, oh, I picked. Oh, good! Oh, I good. Screen- we're, I we're screenshotted all these two. <laughs> we're gonna share this on the podcast. So Jake, okay. uh, you you can you can chime in when you want, but the quote that I got, I, I've been very vocal about my opinion on <laughs> punk music. So. Yeah, no, so, we know. so we for know. me, punk punk is a big part of the '80s, I think, and a big part of like what I get out of out of a subgenre in the '80s. But uh, Grady's Grady's interpretation of it is: I get the idea behind punk as a concept, but musically, it makes me want to rip my ears off. <laughs> So, uh, God damn, that's a, uh, that's the, that's the I preface that to, uh, to this album. But, um, yeah, so, I thought uh, James was, sorry, well, James. I, I was, I was telling James about that. I thought he was going to, I th- he's like, he's like, man, he's got my Jimmy's ruffled when I was, like, so <laughs> and I, when I wrote that, I mean it quite literally because one of the first shows I ever went to was, um, for the adolescence when I was like 11 years old and I sat right in front of the speaker and it gave me permanent tinnitus. So maybe I just have, you know, a bad, um, <laughs> a Rock bad on, bro. <laughs> history with punk music after that because they kind of permanently damaged my eardrums. So when I say it makes me want to that, that was your own, mean that. that was your own fault, pal. You can't. Hey, sit I'm in like front ten of years old. I don't know how this shit. Do you works. know how many know what dads wish they had that story, Grady? I know, right? I lost my hearing at the Cuckoo's Nest in '81, <laughs> listening to the Adolescents for the Blue Album. Yep, exactly. Yeah, um, I couldn't work up the courage to go into the mosh pit though. No, not as a ten-year-old. Not you, as a ten-year-old. No, that. that was. But um, at a punk show, no, thank you. So anyway, to get to get into the pick, so I picked uh, an album by the artist called Wipers, and the album's called "Is This Real." Um, came out in 1980, so it's a very early 80s pick, uh, and I think that that's kind of definitive of this sound um, a little bit. But they're also like a little bit ahead of their time as well. So um, just to give a brief a brief context to the band, so eight, uh, Wipers is considered the first Pacific Northwest punk band. Um, and I, I guess, I don't know if I fully agree with that statement, but that's kind of like the what's coined about them. But they're considered um, the first band. Yeah, first band <laughs> ever. ever. Um, but they're from Portland, Oregon. 
uh, formed in 1977. So this album was still pretty early on in their in their active years because they were active like basically to like the end of the 80s, um, like 89. And then they came back for like a stint in the 90s as well. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this is one of their like most popular albums. And I was very surprised that Jake hadn't heard this one because you, you were familiar with like a couple other songs um, from I different think records. You- I know youth, youth for America. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's what it's or Youth of America. And if you Google, is, if you but... Google this band, you'll find some really great deals on uh, windshield, windshield wipers. wipers. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, a, that's a bonus. But yeah, so this band is kind of funny because this is also like a lesser, a lesser listened to band of mine um, from the '80s. Like this isn't like one of my core punk like influences or whatever. When when I, I went through that phase, um, but this was always a band that was like kind of they were just a little bit more out there. Like they weren't traditional hardcore punk, um, you know, sounding, but anyway, let's get into the, let's get into the track and then, and then we can discuss, um, you playing? so I'm playing the second track, uh, off the album called mystery. All right. Let me, uh, turn the volume up here. All right, here we go. Blast that shit. Here's mystery. Can I just say, first of all, this what? isn't a very punk album, dude. Oh, like in terms, of, like right. musically, it is way more of a rock album than a punk album. All right. Well, all right. We're gonna we're gonna get into that. That so, that track <laughs> was that track was easily the poppiest one. Yeah, for sure. True. It. There are there are albums. Okay, so it's a, I would say based on my arguably very limited knowledge of punk music. Here we go. I would Grady, say this is a put punk. Put the gun down, Grady. This put is the a, gun down, Grady. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> you shut up. Let me do what I want. Okay, so this is like a very punk rock album, but most of the songs lean way more heavily on the on the rock side than on the punk side, and there are a couple that are more on the punk side. 
Let me um, push my glasses up the bridge of my nose. So, and so one of the reasons <laughs> why I don't like straight punk music, and like Whoa, I said let, let, in the tech in the text <laughs> that we that Tyler, you know, thankfully read out loud into the podcast. It's all so, had to be it had to be heard. <laughs> I get the idea of punk music. It's this very, you know, it was uh, culturally it came out of this era where there was a group of people and they wanted a very raw expression of their emotions and they wanted to do that in this community. And in that sense, it's very, you know, successful and I totally get it and I get why it was popular and why people were in this scene and they connected with the music in that way because it is this very raw expression of anger and emotion at, you know, the things that they were going through and the, their experience at the time. However, musically, I think that a lot of punk music just devolves into very monotonous sounding they pick one guitar tone that's usually not that nice and it's just a you know a vocalist that's mostly just screaming you better lock your doors and, and windows because james is i know but james is, james is driving to down me, without you know being part of that community without being part of the punk experience i feel like you have to be engaged with that aspect of it to really enjoy the music because otherwise for me personally it just sounds like not that good. It just sounds monotonous and kind of like uh, aggravating to listen to. I'm right, sorry. So, I'm sorry. Um, punk was not nice. Only, to you, only say that's one just, thing I mean, before we we me. follow the protocol of letting Tyler talk about the record before <laughs> no, we I, shit all I, over I, it. No, I like but, it. Um, I like the the raw I was gonna format. Say, spe specifically, of what Grady said about being a part of the scene, like I don't, I don't think it's entirely necessary to enjoy it because I would say, and this is what I like. I think I told this to Tyler when Tyler asked me if I had heard like a couple records or whatever being like, all right, dude, I know I never had a Mohawk or whatever while I knew you, <laughs> but like, I know all this shit. And it's just like, you know, being in this, like the scene is like very important in the sense of community. Like, you know, it's important for like being in a band and like helping, you know, network like independent music, like of that genre. But I'm like, I, I love punk music, but like, always being on the fringe, like never really part of the scene or whatever, but I've listened to a shit ton of it and I, I like it, but I like harder, you know, if you want to boil it down, knock it all the, you know, like I like hard, aggressive guitar driven rock music. So like, that's where it checks. Yeah. A lot of the boxes for me, but I do, I do want to talk to you about like how, you know, where does this ride the line of being punk or, or something else, but let's mm -hmm. let yeah, Tyler so, well, talk so about his, yeah, so like so what you guys said is all is all pretty accurate. I mean, punk was punk was the answer to uh the end of the disco era of the 70s and the and kind of this this era of like things like disco and rock and roll and and pop um that were coming out during this time and it was kind of the the antithesis to those, right? It was the uh the rebellion against those. Like we're not going to make traditional rock and roll like fuck that. You know, we're not going to make disco like fuck that. Like we're going to make our own thing. Um and I think it's a breakaway from uh, those genres in, in like a very positive way. I mean, it's, it's giving people an outlet to be a little bit weirder and be a little bit more out there. Um, you know, like today you have like this really like artsy music that, you know, you can be weird in or whatever, but back in that time, like there wasn't, there wasn't a ton of that happening. So punk was like the outlet for that type of, that type of person and that type of culture. I think it was also like an answer to to like metal where like people a lot of times are like, oh, punk and metal are very similar. But I think it's very different in the sense that like punk was intentionally intentionally kind of 
like shitty. Like it was like, we're going to be shitty in, in like an intentional way. Whereas like metal was like all about like technicality. It was like, so I'll, oh, I'll you got to you... be able to play fucking really fast guitar, really cleanly. You got to be able to like hit double bass pedals. I don't and... think saying that it's shitty is the right way of doing it or whatever. But the whole time that I've been thinking is like, it was about removing this barrier of like preconceived notions. Like you have to have at least like this yeah. amount of skill yeah, it was to like, like go play music that's worthy of people going to. And it's also very, you know, against like, I think rock maybe and roll t- rock and roll t- takes place like on an arena stage or in a big thing instead of like basements or living rooms. And well, it just a lot of the things that like kept people being like, you can't, you know, rock and roll unless you can fucking shred. Yeah, like, and that's what I mean about, like, like, being shitty. Like, not, not like, being bad. Like, right? I mean, like, just being shitty, like, in terms of, like, not only the music, but just, like, the culture. Like, being a little fucking dirty, being a little bit, like, abnormal. Like, being a little bit, I guess, It's raw. Yeah, it's raw. And it's, like, and what I I latched onto as, like, a, a teenager, like, getting into the punk scene was, like, it's okay to be to fuck up and be shitty like it's okay to like to be kind of an outcast and it's okay to not do like a traditional guitar solo like fucking turn the amp up to 10 and like get feedback going and then just like play fucking you know a little bit of a dissonant thing and that can be your guitar break of like a punk song and so that's what i latched onto, and i think that's what the culture kind of defines is like fuck it like we're gonna be different and like no no one's gonna care you know and so and that's what one of the other things that i think is is interesting about punk is that it's sort of this response to it's like a counterculture you know um group or a counterculture movement and it's supposed to be like for the working class and like you know you know rebelling against blah 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 but i feel like when people when a lot of people think of punk they only think of like white people like it's a very white dominated culture by a lot of people's recollections so i think i think it depends on where you're looking like well i know totally that's what i'm saying in terms of american punk like maybe maybe so but like in terms of uk punk too i mean like i I don't know because like uk punk was influenced by like the reggae and like uh, well yeah no stuff but that's what i'm saying is i'm not saying that black punk doesn't exist or that it wasn't prominent or wasn't important but i think a lot of people forget about that and they forget about that you know that area and they only think they think oh in punk music they think oh it was all like basically like white people who brought it up and made it you know what it is all right i want to talk about the wipers instead of the history of punk but i mean there's like it's not saying that what you're talking about like doesn't have merit and it's been addressed in like within the scene and books and podcasts and interviews and all all kinds of shit yeah about it or whatever but yeah the one thing that i'll use to start off to get back to the wipers is a quote from the singer or whatever that i think is a little pretentious or whatever is just like we weren't even a we weren't even a punk band we were yeah. so much more we were way more left and weird than a punk band and now people say we were one of the best punk bands and i was just like dude you're kind of a punk band but the thing <laughs> that goes with it is like and again, it's a label that there was just enough stuff that transcended like musically, like musical choices, whether it's extra guitar parts or there are a lot of parts on this album uh, like Alien Boy or the breakdown in the title track or whatever, where it becomes just like a drum and bass groove that are like 
uh-huh. that elevate it from straight up like power chords, like Ramones basically playing like really distorted, like fast pop yeah. music or whatever. And to me, instead of saying we weren't a punk band, I'm just like, well, some of it is, you know, it's post punky. That's yeah, what for it is sure. And like, it, or so it's melodic or it's melodic it punk or whatever. But I think the other thing that they post-punk. said was, you know, we're not going to make like when, when they found were founding in the, uh, or forming in the 70s like they said we're not going to make traditional rock and roll because we don't want the press we don't want to have to sell stuff we don't want the music to be like a commodity we want it to be an art and we don't want to be like we don't want to fit the traditional mold and so i think they didn't necessarily say like we're a punk band or like we're going to go into the punk scene and i think in that scene at the time they probably didn't fit in completely like with this style of music it was it was definitely a little bit out there for that scene but I think that's what makes it kind of cool is that it's a it is punk, but it's also a little bit different. It's also got melodic. The songwriting's a little more like complex, I would say, just a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But I think also it's just to me it ticks all the boxes of like what I want from punk, which is like it's not a hundred percent just raw, super heavy, like what Grady calls monotonous. Like it's not a hundred percent just those like traditional punk riffs of like power chords up and down the neck like right. there is guitar work there is like interesting drum work there's like drum breaks um i think most of the tones they use are like thought through and a little bit more like i would say like artistic or like elevated tones because it's not just like okay turn the amp till it's the most distorted and fucking play the power chords like right. it there is like an intention with what type of distortion he's using and like how that plays with the bass and the bass is like cleaner and then the drums are cleaner um, and then what, what I thought was funny is that I asked James or Jake, you asked James, I think, would Grady like this band? And James said he might because the vocals are cleaner. And I think that's another and thing that's that people hate, that, hate on that about separates, punk. Yes. That separates yeah. them. And I'm stealing this because I was talking to James about it afterwards. He was just like, Grady might like it because like the vocals are cleaner and it's not straight up yelling. And Jameson said, and I agree with, I can see where he gets this, not on all the songs, but sometimes he kind of sounds like David Byrne. Yeah. A little. I don't, a little I'm not, a, I don't like David Byrne though. I know you don't like that. That's not a good so, for you. No, that, actually like I played it, this for I Charlotte. I played this for Charlotte and she said, it sounds like the singer of the talking heads. And so David Byrne. Yeah. But, it, uh, it, it, it did sound yeah, British but, to me. And I was kind of surprised that they were an American band because I thought the singer was British. Yeah. So, so they're, they're an American band. I mean, they're, they're, Portland, Oregon based, but, um, the main guy, uh, Greg Sage, uh, he actually has an interesting, a little interesting history too, which I think plays into like the way that they sound. So he spent like his youth and his teens actually like cutting vinyl records and his dad was like part of the industry. So he had, uh, like access to the, to those tools to like cut vinyl for friends and like make records for people or whatever. Um, and I guess he like super got, he got into that. Like he nerded out super hard on that. Um, and so I think he does have a little bit more of a, a tendency to like be a little bit more particular and like artistic about maybe like the production and like the recording and the songwriting of his music. Um, but they also set out to like, to be like a pretty prolific band. Like they set out to make 15 albums in 10 years, um, which they didn't do, but, um, they obviously like had pretty high, pretty high ambitions. Right. And so, (laughs) um, I think, you know, and again, that wasn't like to do it, to make fucking money and sell them and whatever. Like he, he did really want the music to be like more of an artistic expression or whatever. So, um, but anyway, the big thing about wipers is that they were super influential on like later garage rock, like Nirvana and that, and that type of like grunge type of 
subgenre. So, and actually, Nirvana yeah. covered two of the uh, songs off this record, um, D D Seven and uh, the other one, which is uh, let me look at Return the of the Rat. Yeah, Return of the Rat. Yeah, so. Um, it was super influential on that type of thing. And, and I think, you know, comparing them to like someone like the Ramones is, is pretty accurate, I think, because it is a little bit more fast pop music that's got an edge to it. That's a little different. Um, it doesn't quite fit into any of these genres, which, but which I was going to, this, this has, again, it has, cause I was going to say like talking about some of the stuff that's just like straight up, you know, chugga chugga riffing or whatever. Like if all the songs were just like the guitar, during the verses for Return of the Rat that follow the vocals like that, dun 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 like it yeah. would get boring like mm-hmm. really fucking quick. Yeah. Um, but it's the in between riffs and sounds that they go for that again kind of elevate it, and then that's why I would say like I definitely don't like this record as much as I like the next one. Yeah. And I would say they get a little more experimental and like break sure. out of like for. For the next album, I could see more being like, oh, we're not a punk band because they get like longer and the guitar mm-hmm. gets weirder and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But reading about the, you know, listening to this, it's like, yeah, no shit. Like early Nirvana before oh, yeah. they you got more commercialized sound of like that potential suicide sound like Allison Chains has a song mm-hmm. called Wood that was off the singles soundtrack that we did for the movie soundtrack episode that just sounds like it took the exact same riff and fucking slowed it down so it was like a metal groove or whatever and i feel like yeah, these, these guys riffs, are very these riffs are very fall, familiar they fall into the same thing like uh almost like dinosaur junior for me and that like bands that came after them like yeah Soundgarden wouldn't have a fucking career if Dinosaur Jr. wouldn't have come out or whatever. It's just like some bands just got bigger doing a slightly watered down, more accessible thing, like right place at the right time, copying bands like Wipers and Dinosaur Jr., like Nirvana and Soundgarden, like Mega Super Startup. We're obviously listening to these dudes and they're not trying to hide like, you know, like, oh, we've never heard of them. Like they really like them and they talk them up. Yep. But it's just in terms of catching on with a wider, yeah. wider audience. Um I think too yeah, the clicked. I think too the clean the cleaner vocals where you can actually understand the lyrics and and hear what he's talking about is is an, a benefit to them. Um, totally, I, think, yeah. I think that's a big factor for me as well. Like having lyrics you can understand and hear. Um, I think his voice is is good. It's a little bit unique. It's not like he's obviously not the best like singer by a classical no. definition, but I think it works with the band. Um, but th- these guys are just clean. Like the song structures are clean. They're tight. Um, it's not sloppy. It's got interesting stuff to it. Um, all the instruments are present. They're all like, uh, they're all kind of have their moments. Um, and yeah, I think they, the record does have like moments where it breaks away from that traditional, like punk rock mold or whatever, like the song I played mystery. And then the last track, like, wait a minute. Um, they, they have these moments where it's like really different, uh, which I think is cool, but I, I mean, okay. So I, I like this album actually. And I think they do at times fall into this sort of the monotonous idea of like, okay, we have like this one guitar tone and we're just going to kind of use that throughout the album for every song. Um, But, you know, this does go beyond just like punk music and it it does introduce, you know, interesting ideas and they, you know, they, they have tight songwriting and the song structures actually make sense and they have unique ideas going on i mean i think in like there's a part in i think it was tragedy where there's like this second 
guitar line mm-hmm. comes in and it's sort of this harmonizing guitar part. Yeah, and that I, like, I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. And it's like only this like one section and then they like break out of it. And, and I'm like, that's where that's they, an idea that makes the music interesting to me. It's yeah, like and that's they, where they pull that influence of like the rock that came yeah. before like MC5 or like Jimi Hendrix. Right. Like, it's like, that's it's a, not just like, a straight punk song where it's like okay here's three bar chords and yelling over it where it's like there isn't anything going on beyond a raw expression of rage and emotion they want to convey and that's why i think that's you know refining what my opinion on punk music was from earlier it's like that's why you need to go to these shows live because that's where you get the experience of like that emotion you see that fucking the singer just like fucking yelling into the mic and getting like you know just letting it all out and that's the experience like that's why you're fucking in the mosh pit going ham because like <laughs> that you want to share in that it's an feeling. outlet it's an it's outlet. an outlet for yeah. these these emotions and i totally get that and i think that's great but musically that's why i could never get behind just listening to punk music without that context so hopefully that clarifies i'm not just like trying to bash on punk music as like whatever that exists saying that it fucking sucks or anything (laughs) but hopefully that you know people who were like really mad that i don't like listening to just straight up punk music that's why but all right so now we're gonna give out grady's personal phone number email where you can contact him no but like this i could totally see how this album influenced not only bands in the 90s like nirvana and the whole grunge scene but you know even modern bands that the post-punk bands that are coming out right now it totally like yeah Yeah. influence stuff like that which i do like a lot there are quite a few post-punk artists that i listen to frequently right now so you know in that sense i think i do like this album and i think oh yeah dude the the title track for the next wipers album youth of america like cloud nothings is just like oh yeah um, uh, that's oh, totally like wasted days another like, another highlight on this sure. album for me was uh i think it was d7 where it starts out like really slow and kind yeah, of yeah. like like jammy and like almost atmospheric and then like there's like for like breaks a minute and then it just like breaks into this like faster thing like to me those mixing up the the tempos and this the pacing um it just it interjects more life into this album and more interesting concepts that i think make it a lot more fun and, and engaging to listen to yeah for sure totally agree all right well let's wrap it up because now we're now we've gone long we were like on yeah. a good timeline and then we got had to define punk rock and then it got had to messy. had to do it i got messy <laughs> um, but are we gonna do uh are we gonna do theme like theme ideas now or should we vote or no what? we'll no we'll we'll handle that afterwards okay let's vote then all right okay Jake, you uh, i first. vote yeah i'm gonna vote for wipers um Obviously, I talked up and defended City Pop, and I really like it. But hearing something from a band that like I already, I already like it was it was interesting. I I really I wrote a lot of notes down about the about the riffs, but that album was really good. And even though I said I'm not going to go listen to Sato's discography, I'm probably going to check out his rock band and the album that Grady mentioned came <laughs> out hear, before. This. I want to hear the rock I've band. I've listened too. to some of yeah. uh, Sato's other stuff, more like his newer stuff, and it didn't do as much for me I, I think i liked awakening the most so i would look probably to his older albums before this if you're going to look into his um discography i will take your word for it all, all right grady. grady uh i'm gonna go with cleaners from venus I, I was surprised by that album i liked it a lot i was really worried that 
the production would totally turn you off. But then I was also I'm like, this is well, like, I'm the just, thing, it's, it's bedroom pop. Like this is yeah. literally well, what I did. Is, what I did yeah. is because I, I listened to a couple songs just like on a computer with like not that good of speakers and it kind of sounded like shit. And then yeah, I dude. went into my car and listened <laughs> to them in my car speakers. And I, that, that was the point where I was like, okay, yeah, I can really fuck with this. For sure. That, so I, th- I that's where, experience. you know, that's where lo-fi is weird as it sounds like that's where it makes all the difference is that, you have to listen to it in like the right setup or yeah. else you're you're going to miss all those small nuances yeah. that are there that are uh, obscured more Which because is like, of the style of production but they're still there and it's counterintuitive you know, a little hear bit hear it yeah totally. yeah dude okay. go listen to the next record in the golden autumn you'll love it it's I'll, just as good as this one i'll, I'll check that out it's my sure. favorite okay i'm also going with cleaners from venus obviously cuz i Woo! i really like that i actually that's like I, it's it's funny because like I said at the beginning, you know, I was told to listen to that band a long time ago, and the name is always like in my head. I mean, it's a catchy name. Like Cleaners from Venus is like I think it's a cool fucking name. But um, yeah. yeah, now that I've actually listened to them, super into it. Uh, definitely, definitely was that was a a real good one for me. So good job, Jake. Yeah. All right, Jake, starting <laughs> off season three strong. Yeah, taking the and Jake, I knew you, gonna... I knew you'd like the Wipers album. Like, if you didn't like it, that was gonna completely baffle me. But yeah, but yeah again, not as good. not as good as the next one. But I was just like, okay, and it's just cool because I know where they're gonna go. I'm being like, yeah, this yeah. makes sense that it started here. I and, think, but I'm glad they went where they did. Yeah, and I think that's why this one is like arguably the most like popular of theirs is just because it's like the most straightforward and like kind of definitive of like their. I don't know. They're yeah. starting. It just point got reissued. They did a special version of it for Record Store Day this year because Luke wanted me to try uh, to go find it for him, and I was like, I don't right. know this one. Yeah, that's right. Um, I saw that somewhere, but um, but anyway. Uh, so yeah. Okay, on cool. to the singles. Yeah, let's make it quick. Um, cool. I'll I'll go first, I guess. Um, so I picked a Stereo Lab single, uh, which mm-hmm. has hot new band. Yeah, um, hot new band coming in hot. Okay, I was gonna, I checked the name because it's called Dimension M two. I always want to say like V two, like version two, but isn't that the name of Grimes's child? <laughs> oh God, no! no. <laughs> that has like different names, symbols, like and characters. A E dash one two yeah. nine. It's like, <laughs> it's like the password oh. that comes on the router before you change it. <laughs> oh my God. Into your yeah, own thing. <laughs> dude, Grimes like oh my, I don't even want to get. Into okay, so anyway, um, yeah. So as Jake pointed out, this is a a single, a new single from 2021 off of a, a compilation of. Were you saying it's from? the early 2000s or what was i think i think so it's from whatever their last batch of studio records because this is like i think it's gonna be called switched on volume four so they've always done these compilations that bring together non-album releases. yeah it's cool though it's a cool song it's like it's got like a break in the middle and kind of changes up the structure and then like comes back to the original uh catchiness but yeah great which is a fucking groove yeah really groovy classic stereo lab but um stereo lab's cool yep that was what i that's what i picked good job um, Grady. Cool. yeah i so i picked the new single by serpent with feet um which is this artist um it's been around for a couple years now i think they released their debut album like two years ago uh but they have a new record coming out and they're pretty up to now they've been mostly experimental i would say it's a little bit weirder but this song is much more on the poppy side and it's much more accessible and I think the stand, the thing that stands out with this artist most is his his voice. He has a very interesting 
uh, cadence to his voice and yeah, his stylings does. is like the way he does delivers vocal melodies is really unique i think and on this song he he dials it back just a little bit enough where it's it's much more um in, accessible to listen to so i'm really excited to hear what he does with this album because i i like the the new single it's also it's just it has a very positive heartwarming kind of wholesome vibe to it which i think is kind of nice in 2021 Almost um, to the fact because I was the music is super cool. Never heard of this artist, mm-hmm. and I think that wholesome, positive vibe or whatever, like to the lyrics or whatever, like this is the blessing of my thirties, and maybe mm-hmm. I'm just like secretly upset that I'm too close <laughs> to thirty or whatever. But I'm like, this is a little corny, man. I don't really want to hear. No, about but this. It, yeah, it is <laughs> a little corny. But it's like again, like like I was saying with the Hiroshi Sato, it's like in a way that is is kind of reassuring and nice right now. Maybe it's just because of the times we're living in, but like. I don't really want to listen to a bunch of depressing fucking music right yeah, now. I'm already hard. bummed out. It is man. hard. It's like watching a show like Handmaid's Tale right yeah, now. It's just like, it's oh, like, fuck. I don't, I don't want to like live this and then also watch this. Yeah. Know? Which kind totally. of goes. So that reminds me of the artist who put out the single I chose, Julian Baker, who I would say is exclusively sad because yeah. i would say like i like julian baker and i liked the last album from 2017 a lot what did it turn out the lights but i haven't listened to it in a really long time because it's sad as fuck and yeah. i just can't yeah. put it on whenever i want because i'll like start crying and not want to do anything <laughs> but this new this new track um is from her forthcoming album so the single is called favor um and it features Phoebe Bridgers and Lucy Dacus on background vocals because it was recorded in the same session as Phoebe Bridgers' song "Graceland 2. I think that's what I always get. Wait, 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 wait. And then Daisy will yell at me. Don't don't they have another band called Boy Genius though? Yeah, that's Boy what, Genius. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See, I like the Boy but, Genius EP. I with Julian Baker. I I for some reason haven't really been able to click with her that much. Um, I didn't really get that in to turn out the lights even though it was getting a lot of you know critical acclaim and people seem to really like it i think her um, guitar work is interesting for me julian baker's like the least strong presence out of the three of them like just for me like personally but i like this song though yeah i like this song too jake it was actually really good um yeah because i went back because it's got it's got a beat it's a little more yeah like up up upbeat than the stuff that that she's done um have you guys but, read uh, though that uh, that they're trying to get Adrian Lanker to join Boy Genius? Oh my god! Oh shit! <laughs> that would dude. be sick. But <laughs> yeah. I, I almost feel like she doesn't fit in with I, their style. I know. I feel like because Phoebe Bridgers is like obsessed with her songwriting and shit, and which everyone is. But like, I'm almost and like Adrian Lanker was just that... like, I can't believe you broke a guitar on TV. I could never dude, be in a band. I, also, no, she didn't say that. But like, also how, the how um, damage also the band item. the band that Phoebe Bridgers <laughs> is in with uh, Connor Oberst, like the better oblivion or community, community center, center social or uh, community or center yeah yeah whatever that I, it's like i don't really i don't know i don't think their voices like kind of complement each other very well i don't know it's it's like i think it'd be tough like it, bringing like what grady said bring adrian Liker into that group that'd be interesting I, it I, would I it would be interesting because i think the three of them who are already in boy genius because i was re-listening to those songs today while i was waiting for you guys to get your shit together and turn the laptop <laughs> on i was like they sound really they sound really good together yeah they do but like i don't know i feel like there is there yeah. there is this sense of like maybe t- there's too much collaboration like too yeah. many side projects and it's like okay like, I don't know I just don't know if Adrian Linker's voice would mesh well like I'm trying to picture Adrian Linker 
singing with, with other them, people with other people yeah. like and it just i don't know like her voice is, is so like it stands out to me as its own thing so much that right. it's hard to picture it blending with these other artists that i know well like that yeah very well but i i don't know prove me wrong do it yeah i'd love to hear wrong. it and see what it sounds like we we should start a band called genius boy and ask oh her god. to join us <laughs> we should start a band called jimmy neutron boy genius oh my god <laughs> all right so let's let's wrap this up because it's a little long but um we'll come up with some theme ideas and uh we're gonna be a well-oiled machine yeah they're gonna be coming out like clockwork for the first time in three seasons we figured out that you can directly share a playlist to instagram so learning social media knowledge is developing every day yes Uh, the resources we have at our hands are unlimited (laughs) thanks to our sponsors at crosley unlimited Um, (laughs) got them back we got them back season three 2021 papa biden's gonna send that stimulus check and it's all good we're gonna get vaccinated and uh oh man that is gonna be we're gonna have to have a very celebratory one uh when we can all do it in person again that's that's i'm gonna start uh, drinking again when we can hang out together so look forward to that no not that just drinking drinking those sodas bigger than bigger than ever (laughs) season three coming at you yep all right so uh yeah follow us on instagram twitter uh all that stuff follow the playlist and uh we will see you very soon cool till next time adios hit it